0: Hey guys, what is up? My name is Kyle Berkshire, this is Bobby Bradley, Bobby Ray, and we're gonna be starting a new podcast, but um, it's gonna be talking about general golf stuff, our opinions on just random things maybe at times, but we're gonna try to keep it more golf central. We wanna offer like insight on the golf world and we want this to be something that people enjoy listening to, to glean information and opinions on certain topics that are going on in the golf world. So we hope you guys enjoy it. We hope you find it illuminating and worth your time. And uh, we're going to hop right into it, and we're excited to get going. So we're out actually at um, the last non-televised uh, tour event of the season in mm-hmm. Utah. I think it's at Lakeside Country Club. Beautiful grid, amazing backdrop to hit into. And we actually just finished our first day of competing today. And yeah, Bobby and I, you know, coasted through. And uh, Bobby Bradley <laughs> That's announced well for
1: 14 hours.
0: <laughs> and um, <laughs> no, but it was really cool. I mean, you know, I think we're both hitting it pretty well. And, uh, you know, I feel great. And I think, you know, we're looking forward to hitting tomorrow. We're under the round of 32. Um, uh, Bobby Ray's going off at noon, and I'm going off at 2. And uh, it'll be whittled down to 16, and then it'll be match play the rest of the way through. So it's a lot of fun, you know, and I think, you know, this group being called the Bombers Club, it's important that we go to these long drive events and
1: show out. So Kyle is world number one for four years. He is now... Number two. Well, <laughs> I need these fingers for the broadcasting booth tomorrow, but it was fun to watch him hit today. And Bobby Ray just making it uh, way too, way too exciting on that last ball. He had to hit a ball in play and goes 418 or 417, 418 to get it in. But Kyle was on autopilot, as we always say. But autopilot being 225 to 227 miles per hour. But you know he was on the disabled list, uh, you know, for the last event. But I yeah, was a
0: cripple. It's been a fun first started to the, the uh, tour stop and uh yeah i mean it's it's just a fun sport to be into it's a little different from golf and i feel like a lot of people don't know exactly what goes into it because if you ask the average person well what's the format you're gonna i don't think you get, get a single person who has the correct answer who's not intimately involved in the sport um, but it's a fun sport and it's really weird because you don't have i guess what we should do let's explore if there's any other sports like this where There's like a a main sport and then kind of like a a sport that focuses on one particular sport. Well, I think
2: our equivalent, you know, when I describe World Long Drive, it's like we're the home run derby of golf. But essentially it's turning that into a tour. And the funny thing about that is if you had some behemoth human beings that were only hitting home runs and making a tour of home run derby, that'd be fun to watch. And that's essentially what we are. It's the same kind of athlete, right? Guys can create a bunch of speed. Um, and again, you go. Out, I always tell everybody, if you want to come out and see a bunch of big, strong people, you come on a, uh, you know, the tee box, the warm-up area of a World Long Drive event, because there's some big, um, big people. Mike Dobbin, for example, is one of the largest people I've ever seen in my life. But um, yeah, like I said, it's equivalent to like, home run derby for golf is the easiest way to describe it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, I get this question a lot, I actually kind of want to say something about it. It's like, people are like, well, the home run derby is once a year, or, you know, like, the slam dunk contest is once a year. Why do you guys, why do you bother making a tour out of it? Well, it, my answer is very simple. The longest hitters of the baseball are in the major leagues. The best dunkers of the basketball are in the NBA. The longest hitters of golf are not in the PGA Tour. And when you have a separate skill that is, it's really a weird, it's a weird, weird concept because it's, it's very interesting how this driving distance is so important to shooting good scores, but yet it's not so end all be all that the guys in the long drive tour that hit it 40 past the longest guys in the PGA Tour win PGA Tour events. It's interesting how if you're a great slam dunker, you're probably on the, in, in the NBA or close. And if you can hit the ball really far in baseball, you're probably in the major leagues. Um, and, and I'm not necessarily saying that the absolute longest Hitters on baseballs and the best slam dunkers of basketballs are on NBA and MLB teams. I'm saying that we're not; they're not; they're just barely better. If there are people that hit it, the baseball further, they maybe hit it five, ten feet further. We have long drive hitters who hit it forty-six to sixty yards further than PGA tour players, and that's why there's a tour because it's such a different shot and a different skill and so unique that it has its own fan base and. It's really fascinating though, to see how there's this, this like supposed gap in talent, like not in talent, but like in how you can hit it so much further than the average tour player, but yet no one in the World Long Drive tour is, and a lot of them are very good golfers, but is able to quite make the jump in the PGA tour. It's just interesting to me how you can be that much better at a skill that is considered so important to the game, but it just goes to show how much goes into golf. And I think it's really fascinating how like you can have home run derby hitters who are in major leagues. And then the slam dunk contest in basketball, they're NBA players.
2: Well, how many times have we been asked by the general public, well, they see you hit a couple of drives and like, why, don't you, why aren't yeah. you playing on tour? It's like you have no idea. Yeah. And we all have friends that play the game at the highest level. It's just not even close. Yeah. And, again, I think that there's a lot of us out here, us, yeah. Zach Holton, for example. For sure. They can maybe get hot and shoot around in, in the mid to upper 60s. But can you do it for four rounds in tour conditions? Absolutely not. That's the difference. Is is they're just keeping it together, round after round, week after week. So yes, we could get hot and we could shoot a score, and you could go watch us play a round of golf and think to yourself, that's a professional golfer. But it's just over the course of time, the small differences just add up right like if it's one stroke a nine that's two and 18 you multiply that by four rounds now all of a sudden you're not even close um so these little tiny differences in the game of golf just make such a big difference and i'm not delusional i I know this difference but it's funny the average golfer doesn't understand the difference they think oh you're hitting the ball 400 yards why don't you just drive it on the green and one putt it's like well every once in a while i might do that but most of the time i'm hitting into the fucking woods you know so it's it's just a completely different game it really is
0: yeah, it's, it's it's very fascinating because you actually have a lot of former college golfers, myself and Bobby Ray included, who played college golf. And it's interesting, it seems like there's an optimal level of golf capability where it really helps in long drive, hit the center of the face and do that. But if you're much better than that, it can actually become a deterrent. Like to get your short game and your wedges dialed in, you almost have to sacrifice speed. And I actually experienced this last winter because like before the at the, at the end of the last season, I was you know starting to push into like the 230 ball speed range in competition and then i usually I practicing 40 hours a week for like three straight months and i got pretty good did pretty well in a few mini minor tour events but i mean it was never something where i felt like i was good enough to truly take that plunge but, but i was definitely probably the best i'd been since college for sure but i came back and i'd lost i, I was maxing out like 223 224 ball speed the first couple of tournaments it took me like three months of completely abandoning my golf game to get my speed back up over 230 ball speed. And it's, it's amazing how much of a, how much, I just think that these, they're two separate buckets and you could be very good at both. But I think if you wanna be world-class at either, and I define world-class as being top 10 in the world in long drive and capable of making a, a cut or being close to the cut line, in PGA Tour on any given tournament, I just don't think it's possible to sustain long-term. Bryson's probably the closest we're ever going to get to it. I just think they're so different, and they require such different mentalities. To have those two going for you at that level for any substantial period of time is, is, is just almost impossible, in my opinion.
1: Well, speaking about Bryson, I mean, he's the only one to ever come from the PGA Tour to actually compete in long drive and, and watch, well. him, watch him go really from 175 well. to, you know, you guys are out. In Arizona, you go 231, he goes 221. But he's the only guy that's ever came out in long drive he came in second in the world last year, T5 in, was it 2000, 2021. Yeah. And it goes out and shoots a 58 last week. And it was really cool too. Like not only does he win $4 million, but he actually was using a driver that you won a world championship yeah. with. It was actually nice to see a world-class player like Bryson use a driver that we've used and been extremely successful with over the last 15 years, you know, and, and uh, you know shine some more light on Lawn Drive. But yeah, like I created the page Lawn Drivers four years ago, we were in China or whatever, and I'm it like- started I'm just out gonna, as a joke, and it's yeah,
0: now forced to be reckoned with. Started, started
1: posting just like us, because they felt at the end of the day, like the, the product wasn't being marketed, or they weren't like showing off the players, and in due time, you post a girl that hits it four feet, and gets 3 million views, and then you post funny memes and stuff, and then you sprinkle in the lawn drive. Wow. So, you know, and the funny story about Bryson, he comes to the World Championships in 2021, flies in on his private jet with his team, his squad, and just won the Ryder Cup, and I go up to him, and I go, hey, don't ever fucking drive a par four and make the eagle putt, okay? You're a lawn driver now. You drive the fucking green, and you three putt for par. You know, so, you know, and then we told him to beat us at the 400-yard marker at nine o'clock. It's a secret of the pros, but, I mean, he just embraced lawn driving. We were fucking with him, just was like, hey, you're a rookie, and our, this is our world, but to see how he goes, you know, about well, he You're has right, the right
2: personality right? though for long drive too. You ha- you have to be an alpha to be to be a long drive. You have coach. to have a, a special mentality.
0: And I, I I really, I'm I couldn't be happy happier for how things have panned out for Bryson because I know about a year ago things weren't going that great for him, and it was tough to see like and not that I mean it was going terrible, but like there were definitely things going on that caused a lot of stress in his life that I thought were unfair to him, and like for me I feel like he's found peace now with what he's doing. I think he's proven all he wants to prove. In long drive, and it's that he is absolutely—if he wants to be one of the longest hitters in the planet—and I think that was the itch he wanted to scratch. And I don't know if he's going to compete again in the future. He certainly might. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he did. But like what he did last week um, at the as the recording of this podcast at Greenbrier is—I don't. The 58 is one thing, but breaking 120 for 36 rounds in a competitive golf event is like it's alien to the golf world because it was so alien i kept saying it was 129 because that was the lowest my brain would <laughs> accept a golf score across two rounds and i thought that was crazy and i about fell out of my chair when i did some math in my head and realized actually a, a one freaking 19 he shot across 36 30 right. he of averaged
2: a 59 and a
1: half over a two round span that's yeah.
0: an average of roughly three point like 15 shots
1: per hole I've watched Kyle prepare for events, and I've watched him do speed sessions and break, you know, five, six, seven, eight world records of your own and other world records. But to watch, you know, Bryson prepare for the Open, one, I get to walk with him yeah. during the, uh, the the practice round. The amount of time that they put in on the range is it's unbelievable. I mean, it's you know, eight, ten hours every single day. They maybe take one day off, but the way they eat, the way they sleep, track all the calories. You do the same thing in long drive. And there's, you know, you talk about being alphas and. The alpha goat. I mean, Kyle's the best in the business, and, and for a reason. He's he's extremely talented, but he wants to be world number one, and I know it fucking kills him, right? Now that he's just... I'll put
0: it like this. I don't. It doesn't bother me in the way people think. I I don't think that I'm the second longest hitter in the world. I just think that the rankings, given the fact that they're cumulative points based, and mm-hmm. that I haven't competed in every event and other people have, mm-hmm. and that you know I'm not going to get into my opinions on the format because it is what it is. But like. My opinion on myself being the longest hitter in the planet has actually gotten stronger throughout this summer. Because in the last five tournaments since June in Colorado, I've had one person actually hit a ball past me when I've had a ball in play. It's either been I've won the set, or I've won OB in the last four tournaments, five tournaments. And that's like probably 50 sets or something like that. So my, my belief in my ability to hit the ball past someone is very strong. It's just. In this sport, it's not necessarily always about being the longest hitter. There's a skill to winning these tournaments where you have to be able to hit your best shots when it matters. And that's what I think is really coming out is you got to be able to do that. And it's, that's the only reason, I mean, you just got to get, that's a skill, but it is a little bit of luck too, but there's certainly a skill into it. And you got to be able to come up with it when it matters. And the heads up match is starting in the round of 16. I know a lot of people might not be kind of have the relevancy of it, but like, you can literally win 10 straight sets and if the guy, other guy, just keeps getting through rounds, and you get, maybe you face him in the round of 16, you're on equal footing. If you lose that set, you're out, and he advances, even if you've already beaten that guy twice in sets earlier in the tournament. Like <laughs> So, you know, but it is what it is, and you got to adjust to that. Um, and I'm excited. I mean, we got, you know, tomorrow. I'm feeling really good, and a good finish tomorrow would put me back at number one in the rankings. So I'm not too worried about it either way. Like. So it doesn't bother me the way people might think. It's just a, it's just something, you know, I, I don't mind it actually because it adds some excitement to the sport, you know. And it takes a little pressure off, honestly, you know. Being number one in something for four years is tough. So it's nice to kind of, I don't want to say take a step back because I feel like I'm better than I've ever been, but it's nice to kind of, I think, it's, I think the sport needs other great hitters that are having a spotlight shine on them. It's going to be good for the sport. So, I mean, I'm fine with it either way. I just want to keep hitting bombs.
2: Yeah, and I mean, like, I I still think Kyle is the best hitter in the world, regardless of what the ranks think. I I think a lot of people actually think that way, whether they, you know, say it or not. It was funny, we were at Golden Corral for lunch. (laughs) Delicious. And the waitress we had, sweet lady, um, she's like, Are you guys athletes or what's the deal? And I had to try to explain to her what it is that we do. And I said, You have the pleasure of serving the best hitter on the planet. And I was about to say, He's literally number one in the world. And I was like, Well,. It's weird not being able to say that, but by the time this podcast comes out, I'm sure it'll probably be back to number one, so it won't even be a thing. But again, there is a difference between rankings and reality, right? So um, we'll see what happens. At a certain point, you know, he knows he's got to get it done, and, and he will. Um, but the format is what it is right now, so you know he's fully capable. Um, if it's not him winning, I want. Well, if it's not me winning, I want it to be him. Yeah. I, want to, I want to win, but no one ever talks about me winning. What do I got to fucking do around here to get some respect? But
0: but I mean, uh, at the end of the day, 20 though, more like, miles per hour, but it doesn't take anything good. away from a lot I of the great... More. I I'll put it this way. This is what I leave it on with, because I, I think I've ne- I'm have i so impressed at the how much better the hitters have gotten over the last two to three years. That, like, it's just to be even in the top five is, is an achievement. Because, like, the standard of where it is now versus when I got in even, and that was only six years ago, is just... I mean, it's unbelievable, and I don't, and people always say that, but I, the data backs it up. I mean, when I came into this sport, the world record balls was 227, and I mean, you, today alone, I, throughout the season, I guarantee you at least five or six guys have cracked 227 in competition alone, and you've probably got 10, at least, who've gone 227-plus, just on you know, legitimate monitors from practice. So like, it's a totally different sport than it was five, six years ago and as i said yeah i want to be ranked number one for vanity but like in the, the day having other great hitters do well is good for everybody so like obviously ego wise wanting to be the best you want to be the best in the world and you want to be number one it's great to have that one next to your name but i think for the sport i think it's great to have parity you know and uh, you gotta hit your ball when you hit it and that's that's what it comes down to so i mean at the end of the day it's on you if you can't hit your ball when it matters so but, um, no, I mean, it's, it's just fascinating to see how it's progressed. And, uh, you know, like, it's, 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 it's such a weird sport because, like, I feel like so many people are aware that it exists. And here's the really weird thing. If you have someone who's an average distance hitter is a really good golfer on the range and a long driver, and it doesn't even have to be a great long driver, just someone who hits the crap out of the golf ball, people will watch the guy hitting the ball 380 yards. But, and, and the guy hitting next to him will probably stop to watch so it's interesting how that is so popular, but and people are aware of the sport, it's just like but they don't identify with it because they don't they don't compete. Well know. it
1: it you talk about people watching on the range. I mean we yeah. just did DJ Khaled's event and you did. You know, he thanks for well, thanks you, for the invite. I, I didn't want to be there because he was I hurt. Like, you know. I putted. Yeah, event. he did, he made some big putts, but you know, I've <laughs> I'm been still in the IL. <laughs> the, well, I met Kyle about fourteen feet from here, uh, back in two thousand seventeen. yeah, uh, we
0: we're, yeah, were sitting That's, in the It's
1: exactly where we met six
0: years ago. It's crazy. But,
1: you know, we go out to the DJ Khaled event and, you know, we're in our element. What people don't really see is, you know, behind the scenes, we get to go do like the biggest corporate and charity events in the country. And we get to meet, you know, guys that you see on television, whether it's athletes or, you know, artists, what have you. And they love watching guys just pound the shit out of golf balls. They can sit there all day and. For me, I've been doing this for 15 years as a golf entertainer. Done over 1,100 events, and they never, they never get sick and tired of watching me hit. Even though he's like 225, smoothing it, you know, ball speed. And yesterday, I hit the hardest golf ball in the last two years. Got yeah, back like, over 200. 200. But, you know, but people enjoy watching people hit bombs. You know, and yeah. chicks dig the long. And ball.
0: I'll be very interested to see <laughs> how well this podcast does because my my hope is that. Um, people there's enough interest in the sport and what we talk about because we're definitely talking about golf but obviously i'm sure as you guys might be aware like we're going to talk about golf with a long drive slant yeah so we're going to talk about golf events but i want to talk about long drive events too i feel like no one talks about long drivers like you know like i want people to be aware of what's happening in the sport in the general golf world i really hope this podcast helps with that you know and I mean, obviously you guys can let us know what your thoughts are on that, but I feel like it's something that's not talked about. Like if there's a, Long Drive has a community of I'd say about 10 to 20,000 people who are kind of always at least somewhat aware of what's going on. But like, I would love to see that open up to hundreds of thousands. Like a a YouTuber I look, I I watch a lot. Some of you guys might be familiar. His name is uh, Nick Strength and Power. He took bodybuilding from a niche sport to something all kinds of people heard about through news reporting of bodybuilding stuff and like, I feel like that would be a goal for us to do with Long Drive is to bring it out to the general public in a way where they don't have to leave their couch to learn about it. It's just easy for them to learn about it. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the biggest issue is I think people want to hear about what's going on in it. They just, there's the friction of having to find it on the computer, look up for results and try to find where it is. It's just too much for people to go that extra mile. So by making it easily delivered right to your living room where you just have to click a button to listen. I feel like it'd be a really cool way to get people more interested in the sport. So I would definitely like to see that happen from this, but you know, you guys can let us know what other topics you want covered. Cause I think we obviously want to listen to our audience.
1: Now we're going to be on the golf channel here next in a couple of weeks from yeah. now. But for me sitting in the booth, you know, eight, 10 hours a day, depending. I mean, I'm sitting there and for me, I I like dumbing it down. Like we, we talk about like getting really technical. I hate saying like you talk about Jason Zuback or someone that yeah. gets into the, like into the real true dirt. Like you like geeking out like scientifically. And for me, I like dumbing it down so you know more people can really truly understand what's going on. You and Bryson going after it. You and Justin James like there were a lot of eyeballs, especially in 2021. We had 46,000 live plus streaming on, more you know, yeah, well, go, it, Golf Channel and, and yeah. Sky
0: Sports. At our, at our best, at our best in a live stream. And, and odds are a lot of you guys watched a live stream at some point, and that might be where your last memory of this sport was, yeah. Yeah. was 2021, because that's by by far the most viewership we've had since, you know, the pandemic It's not even close. Yeah. And um, it's because, you know, I feel like the, the curiosity of seeing a legitimate bona fide PGA Tour star who was actually competitive. And I was telling everybody that everybody in the know knew exactly what was going to happen. He was either going to get just bouncing around a 16 yep. or scrape into the final eight. Yep. And because, But I think everybody was so shocked because I don't think people realized how long Bryson was. And you don't need to be the fast guy, even close, to win long drive tournaments. You need to hit the ball very straight and you need to get a lot out of the ball flight. And I think Bryson was 212, 213, 214, and he got up to 218 or 219. Yep on the last day. And I mean, he was right there. He got the eighth and final spot in the final eight. And I think he came up short in the four for two. So for those who don't realize, the way they did the final eight was four guys in the tee, and the top two would go on to the final four. And then the other four would go on. And the top two would go on. Those would be your final four. And Bryson finished third in his first set. So he technically finished sixth, Yeah. sixth or seventh. Yeah. Um, and I think, but it was really fascinating to see that play out. But that's all to say, I guess you could say it was a novelty that one time. But the way no, he did it no. so well, and people realize like, holy crap, he can actually win this. And he 100% could have won this tournament either of these years. 100% if you know, like, basically his ability to win this tournament was dependent on if me and maybe four or five other guys hit their ball against him in a set that's an elimination set. That is 100% what determines it. If that doesn't happen, <laughs> he wins the world championship. Um, but I think we got. In, I mean, you you were the, you were on the call, so. But I, my understanding was we got to like 67 or 68,000 live yeah. views yeah, and that's insane. I mean, that's like on a YouTube live stream. <laughs> I think people we, we, don't realize this, but we had almost zero sponsorship dollars for the 21 World Championship. And I think the budget was besides, if you take out the purse, the budget to actually run the event was somewhere around $15,000. So the fact that we were able to, the things happened the way they did to somehow be such a prevalent story in the golf world for a golf channel actually put the live stream on their air which was literally a wide shot <laughs> didn't have any shot tracer, or just had a little box in the top right corner showing where everybody's current best distance was it was miraculous and I, I have no problem saying it you know and it takes it's tough for me to say because like i was the you know i was the reigning champ at the time and i did everything i could but bryson's basically saved long drive I wouldn't say he saved it. Like, I wouldn't say long drive is going to die if he didn't come back, but 100% for the acute phase of the pandemic coming out of it and making us attractive enough to get bigger money in it, he 100% generated the eyeballs we needed, you know? And it's, uh, I think it's just really good to see him in, in parlance, get the bag, get money, get what he's worth. Cause I felt like for a long time, to be honest, like the tour he was on wasn't paying him what he was worth. And it's great to see him get that. And it's great to see him flourishing again. And it looks like he's going to be able to come back in the PGA Tour if he wants to. you know. Yeah. And I think it's karma. He's, he's a great person. And he's, he's a good dude. he's been a very good person to a lot of people. And it's good to see it coming back full circle for him. And I know, I know a lot of people don't necessarily have the best first impression of him. But to be honest, if your life was in a fishbowl, in a high-stress environment, and the media only focused on your worst moments, I don't think many people would look too good, to be honest that's yep. why
2: i'm never running for public office i'd be screwed <laughs> if i was in that position i
0: don't think people would like me either because i'm an intense person if i hit it bad i'm not a pleasant person for oh the two yeah or... but you're
2: all right though well, oh, so we're like, a little unpleasant we're like a talking two two th- about real problems here real skeletons in well the i'm pocket. just saying if
0: there's like a two or four more, if there's a two or four minute window that after i'm eliminated and cameras are on me and rolling there's stuff i'm going to say that i might not necessarily want to say and if you're when the emotions are high though and when you're trying to win tournaments you're trying to compete at the highest level of anything and you're in that microscope and not only that people are trying to find something to get the sport exciting you're gonna be in your lightning rod you're gonna have negative opinions because people are gonna mm-hmm. take stuff you say out of context and I wouldn't even say out of context they're gonna take stuff you say when you're upset and emotions are running high well, when you're angry you're so, blacked out
2: a little bit it's exactly. like Will Ferrell from old school remember you well, like I just, a,
0: yeah I have a story to tell you about just
2: don't it. even remember what you say
0: yeah I mean you know like in 2019 um, I believe it was Fort Jackson televised event. Um, for long story short, I'd had a run of four straight televised events where I finished runner-up, or a third at the one of them, and so it was, I'd never won on TV. It was absolutely one of the things I couldn't stand, and I was in the finals, hit a great ball against, I think it was Ryan Steenberg, and he hit a really great ball at the right corner of the grid that was hot, got like a 30-yard kick, and beat me, and I got off the I got, off the, I got off the stage, threw my hat, threw everything. And I mean, I went in a spot where no one could see me and I wasn't around anybody. But if it was in my hand, I was throwing it. And I have no problem telling people that because that's what sports is, is high emotions. And if you want to win and you care, you're going to have those reactions when it doesn't go your way. Now, after a couple minutes, it is your responsibility to rein it in and be a presentable professional. But in those moments, if there's a camera rolling, very few people have the ability to be their best self in that moment moment and that's just that's just how i've seen it you know a lot of i've had exposure to a lot of high level sports and athletes and it's like that across the board you know all that to say that bryson is a great person He just they just show the worst of him sometimes
2: well and also i think the bryson situation his first year i hadn't i was not introduced to the sport you know yeah. i came in after that first year in 2021 but i i My interest in long drive was elevated because of that, too. But I think what it shows is the importance of having a rooting interest in any sport or any program, right? So people know you, people know Martin, but generally speaking, the general public, the general golf fan, they don't know a whole lot of us. We have to continue to work to create rooting interests in the sport, and that could be... From gambling as well, right? Like, I mean, if you if people are allowed to gamble on our sport, there comes some automatic rooting interest. And I think I we think should ours talk a perfect about perfect sport to gamble on.
0: Yeah, and we should talk about a lot of them. And that's and you can let us as you guys can obviously let us know if there's of you want to hear. But I would love to talk about lesser-known long drivers who have like a great week or are having a great season or doing some really cool stuff on this podcast and shine light on them. Maybe even bring them on for an episode or something. I think I think that's something that is completely I don't want to say ignored, but just I don't think people are aware that they want to hear about it. I think once it's brought in front of them, they'll be very fascinated to hear a lot of these athletes and their thoughts on stuff, you know, and I think it'd be great to bring them on. So I think that'd be a really cool thing to do. So, but, uh, yeah, let's talk about the ball rollback. Cause I, I, I know this is one of those things that, um, we definitely wanted to hit on being a long drive slanted golf podcast. I guess is the best way to <laughs> best way to <laughs> categorize what we're doing here. Um, I have a very short answer to that, and that is, I think it is extremely stupid. But I understand why, but I
1: still think it's stupid. I don't understand. It's the dumbest shit ever. If I was an OEM, I'd be like, "Oh, pay me a billion dollars, and I'll yeah. create a golf ball for the 000001 percent on the planet." Dumbest shit.
2: Right, because I mean, you're not right. You're not actually applying this to the general golfer, right? That's the concept, yeah. right? The it's, concept yeah. is it's only applied to PGA Tour yep. players or high level. So you're not even so, and they, that's the funny thing about this is they talk about the game, and they they're talking about how courses are they're running out of space, and these courses are getting too long, and all this maintenance. That doesn't apply to any course except for one course in the entire world a week. Yeah. So they're talking about trying to shorten courses and all this stuff. Well, if you're not even going to apply it to the general golfer anyway, well, then what's the difference, right? Um, so I don't think it makes any sense. And people want to tune in. You're going to do math in your head. It's like, well. hit it this far but it's a limited flight ball so how far would that have gone with the balls we're hitting it's just it's just no good
0: i could see it being a nightmare for the oems because they're going to have to explain to the casual fan who doesn't care about the minutia of oh there's a golf rollback who are just kind of in the sport want to see how far it's going they're going to have to explain why their driver is suddenly hitting the ball 40 yards shorter and that's not just the ball manufacturer that's the driver manufacturer every single manufacturer, even the shaft manufacturer, every single person who manufactures golf equipment is going to have to take time and energy to pin the blame for loss of distance on the rollback. And that's going to be a very difficult message to get out.
2: Are you talking I mean, about the the loss of distance, like with the statistics? people for watch Tours the PGA Tour, players, Tour and right. the PGA
0: Tour players that they watch and they're fans of are hitting it 40%. Yards shorter than they used to, right? Because I think they're the average driving
2: a- distance this year was two ninety nine. And here's the worst part: the so average ab- drop down yeah. to what do you think?
0: It'll drop down. To, it'll be about a ten to twenty, ten to twenty percent drop is what they're talking. And, and, and the problem with that, like a is thirty
2: yard drop at least. No, at least. Wow. What does uh, Tiger think about the rollback?
0: I think Tiger is kind of towing the line a little bit. Uh, I think the only person I've heard who's the Rory. big name is Rory, but I, I think at the same time, like I, I would like to hear Rory's opinions on it now after the merger. Because I still think, I, I'm, I might be wrong, but I think those comments that were on the record from him were before the merger. When what the PGA, were his
2: comments exactly?
0: It was something about he's not, he, he, he's, he's in support of it just for the pro level, but I also in think. In support of rolling it back. But I, yeah, but I also okay. think that was still at the time that the PGA Tour was exploiting him as a mouthpiece um, to say they stuff really that were. they didn't want to say. No. By the way, I feel horrible for Rory, for what the PGA Tour put him through. They should be ashamed of themselves. Um, turning their back on him after he put him strung, hung himself out the drive for six months saying yeah, how live was bad and stuff, year, the With, long and long then long going long. behind his back and striking a deal that made the, the board wealthy and left Roy out in the dust. That felt really bad for him. But my point, all, all that to say, like, I think the rollback isn't going to happen. I think the OEMs are too powerful and the money they have, they're not going to let that happen because big money always wins. If, you know, it's just the reality of the world. Um, not always a good thing but it's just how it is from what I've seen Um, and it just doesn't make logical sense why would you take away your biggest straw like you're, you're literally handicapping yourself and the benefit is maybe you save the courses that are hosting PGA Tour event and making tons of money from being known as a PGA Tour golf course don't have to buy maybe a few extra million dollars worth of land like to me if you're gonna host a PGA Tour course, you better be ready to have an 8,000 yard setup if you want to reap the rewards of being a PGA Tour caliber course.
2: So here's a question, though. Um, what, what if it went another 20% further than it does now? At a certain point, it's like, okay, it's ridiculous. So can are they at least gonna do something to stop it where it is right now? You know what I'm saying? Like, well,
0: what I would say to you is it's already stopping. So like, yeah. the,
2: the reason I mean, we how
0: is it stopping,
2: in what way? Because
0: we can't max out our equipment anymore for maximum distance. now. Yeah. The only direction equipment companies can go, and I'm... You know, what about I'm with the Cobra, golf ball? There's not much they can do because there's regulations in size. A smaller golf ball will go further. A lighter golf ball will go further to an extent. There's regulations in size and weight and even in material. And, and it doesn't matter because they can't... There's only there's certain amount of elements on earth that you can't create an element on earth unless you discover one. You're not going to discover them anymore. So there's not much more they can do to get more out of the golf ball. And, you know, working with Cobra... The conversations with cobra is not how can we increase your maximum ball speed it is how can we get your maximum ball speed across a bigger part of the face so like what golf companies are doing now there is no more getting a better smash factor because cor is maximized there's a limit there's yeah. a ct limit there's a cor limit you All can they explain can do, that quickly yeah so cor coefficient of restitution and ct is basically how how many microseconds the ball stays in the face and cor is is basically how much the, you get out of the ball and the smash factor of max is 1.50. That's technically incorrect. The lower lofted head can produce the smash factor up to 1.52 mathematically. But all that to say, you can't at the same club speed unless you use illegal equipment with slower club speeds, hit the ball any further than we're hitting it on a perfect strike with conditions being the same. The only thing that's keeping balls going further, past like maybe 2013, 2014, when the equipment was more or less maxed out. Not, to, to be clear, equipment's still getting better. But the, my point is that the improvements are being made where the millimeter s- difference, you can be away from the sweet spot and still get the same distance as what's improving. The maximum distance is not getting further. What about shafts? Shafts, again, it's one of those things where you might get marginal gains, but like, I, I, I'm not as knowledgeable in shafts admittedly, so I might be, stand to be corrected there. But I think the issue with shafts is if you go lighter and faster, you're actually gonna have a hard time hitting, hitting straight. So I think that's actually going to disqualify itself. The big thing I look at and the reason we're still seeing upticks is fitness is improving. Mm. So we're not, now it's not, that the drivers are certainly getting better year over year, but there's certainly been diminishing returns just because we're hitting limits. But what's really improving is fitness levels. People are realizing, hey, if I want to be on the PGA Tour, I need to be 180 ball speed. If I want to be a top PGA Tour player, I, and it's, it's literally a requirement. If you look at the top 10, at any given time, you might see two guys who are sub 180. It's just a fact, you have to hit 180 plus ball speed to really have your way out there if you have a great all around game. And you have to be fit and strong to get to 180 ball speed on average. But obviously there's diminishing returns in fitness too. So I I would say by about 2024, 2025, in two or three years, I would say we're gonna see distance gains leveling off to maybe a yard a year. And then eventually I don't think we're going to be seeing the numbers getting much further unless they institute some kind of rule change. Like, I, 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 would, I could see it getting maybe seven or eight yards further in total, but I, I don't see ever there being a 310, 312 average driving distance across an entire season. But the issue with the rollback now is everybody's got it in their heads that they expect to see 300-yard drives on tour. So if a casual fan turns on the TV and isn't aware of what's going on, and they know their favorite player hitting a certain driver, and they're smoking and it's going 265, they're going to not want to hit that driver. And that's, the, that's why the OEMs are never going to go for this, because they're going to have to spend so much money reversing the narrative about the 300-yard drive to get people to buy their clubs that it's they're not going to be able to know. You know what's
2: interesting is um, I think if they did implement the rollback, that would put even more of a premium on speed. It might think about that because I, I, now all of a sudden, instead of everybody reaching par five, yeah, some aren't going to be able to do it. Right. So it's like in a weird way. Now, again, it would be playing with a different golf ball, but now you'd really see fitness take a whole new way. It's like, yeah. man, we, I, I need to be one of those guys hitting the ball 300, right? If I want to not have three irons in every bar four. So it's kind of an interesting thing. Once you go that way, you could probably never go back once you implement it. Or it, be, it's like, what, it would be a very
0: humongous undertaking to go back and forth for yeah. sure. Like, and that's why I don't think it's going to happen. I just think it was kind of a jer- knee-jerk reaction, to like, to, to like placate some, some maybe of the older generation who think it's it's not, it, who are out of touch with the crop of people that are supporting to support by buying clubs and who love hitting it far. I think it's just a few people who maybe are a little out of touch with what's actually going on in the game, that have their, the ear of some people that make decisions on the PGA Tour. I think it just kind of got in that in their head a little bit, but. The, there's just no way I think it's going to happen. If it does, I think it's going to be really bad for the game. But I understand. I do want to. I do want to say though, I understand their angle. They want to make it relatable, and they want to make it easier for course of the host. But I just don't think the positives outweigh the negatives to doing it. You you know, I don't even think it's
1: close. Game relatable, they're like, oh, guys on the PGA Tour, they're hitting it 400 yards. Oh well, yeah. well, they hit it 25 <laughs> miles per hour straight downwind in Austin, and the grounds like concrete. You know, we go out here today, and we hit balls, you know, 4 450. And what they don't know is the difference in ball speed. Yeah. You know, a 170 ball speed, you're at 240, it's 50% faster. Well, the funny thing like, like the like funny thing
0: about long driving in, in the PGA Tour is long drivers in the general, I guess in the general conversation of golf are only talked about Saying how short they hit it in terrible conditions. Yeah. And the PGA Tour players are only talked about in their distance in incredible 30 mile an hour tailwind Scottish conditions where it hasn't rained in 10 days. Yeah. And it says, like, you get the Roy McCoy 436 yard drive, and then people will talk about there was a tournament in 2019 in Atlantic City. One of my good buddies, Tim Burke, one of the greatest long drivers of all time, all right. won the tournament with a 288 yard drive. And that was a humongous Hammered ball. it. I hit a 328-yard drive earlier in that during the round of it, the final eight. It was one of the best shots I ever hit in my life. <laughs> but it's just a funny little thing I always see. Like, people talk about how the long drivers only hit, like, 330 in terrible conditions, and that's what they'll put it on is that's how far they hit it. And a PGA Tour players, they go 420. So, so I hear that a lot, which is kind of funny. But well, one thing
1: that's cool is that, you know, these PGA professionals and live professionals that have seen us at these exhibitions and corporate outings and what have you, they're just, like, you guys are unbelievable. Oh, and, and they in respect...
2: Oh, yeah.
0: The respect they have for us is, and I think, is returned by the respect we have for them. Like, Oh, yeah. I, I am in awe watching the PGA pros, the, what they're able to do with the golf ball. Like, the, and it's it's not even the sh- ball striking. It's the chipping. Like, oh, I man. was doing a content piece with uh, Lydia Ko at the time. I don't know if she still is. This is, like, four months ago, three months ago. She's the number one player in the world where we took this drivable part four downwind, and um, I hit three one irons and she was to play the best of the balls in. I put one on the green, I put one in the left bunker, and put one further left, about 30 yards left of the green, but still in decent shape. She got up and down on every single one of them and horseshoed the eagle putt from like 30 feet and almost made it. So on those three shots, two balls pretty far off the green, but you know still in okay shape, and a ball 30 feet away. She got those three balls down in six and in nearly five shots across three three different balls. And it was So here's a the question
2: then. If you if you take her if you take a Lydia Ko yeah. and and you have her take over for you, inside a one hundred and fifty, oh, I'd be a billionaire. Inside a two hundred, I'd be a billionaire. They're unbelievable. If, so, so so they're yeah. So it's not it's, it's not ridiculous. just yeah right. Yeah. So, but you can't again. I think that part of that is work, but part of that's some yeah. intangibles, right? It is. It's like it's like everybody knows a buddy that's good at pool and good at darts and good at everything that they play they're just good at little things it's an intangible thing they're just good at it right like pool it's like they can just get the ball and they're just figure it
0: out it's the same thing i would i would like i'm a bodybuilding fan so like you might hear some comparisons from that like there's certain bodybuilders who just have a physical gift for the muscle they're able to pack on and the 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 the, the, how the muscle bellies look on camera for like bodybuilding shows and it's the same way with anything like there's just certain people whose minds think a certain way that allows their hands to be relaxed in a certain way that allows consistent contact. My, in this, I might be incorrect on this, but I, in my experience with successful pro golfers, there's a typical personality, and it is a very reserved personality where they don't necessarily have, in their general life, humongous reactions to anything. And I believe that is probably the biggest thing that separates guys who have the talent but don't make it is they have this gift, and I truly believe it's a gift, where they just don't emotionally react to situations the way most people do. And that allows them to make a bogey and then make an eagle right after, instead of making a bogey and a double. That's where you have this guy who can shoot a 64 if things go right for a day, and then follows it up with a 77 because he loses his head on the back nine of the Mm -hmm. second day, shoots like a 48. But you can have a guy who shoots 64, or Bryson's case, who shoots 61, and then shoots a 58 the next day. And I think it's because they just don't emotionally react the way normal people do to in general. And it's a gift, and it's something that's a humongous asset in life.
2: Even tonight. the high, even the highs. Yeah. Until the tournament's over, yeah, yeah. you know, they're just even keeled. And I think like, that's one thing that also applies to long drivers. Every single guy out here under the under a pressure pack situation, if they execute and they hit a big ball, they're yelling. You can't yeah. help it. Justin James that's is That's what's so only fun one about one this sport. Might you might can, you can, right, right. But he will do it. You There's get to the embrace it. Psychologically the too. But yeah, like if you, every don't, ad- if you shy away from adrenaline out here, you you're hurting to, yourself. You have to embrace yeah. it because yeah.
0: if you try to guide it, like in long drive, if you try to guide it, you're in trouble. And I actually find even in golf if I try to guide it. Yep. I can't hit it straight. I just think your body's meant to fire at a certain speed. You can train it to be faster with physical fitness and speed training, but like your speed is your speed. And you and I think for most people it's about ninety seven to ninety nine percent of their effort is the speed in which they will hit the straightest. And the reason I say that is because if you go 100%, your mechanics aren't going to be able to be perfect. But 97 and you want, to, in my opinion, you want to go just fast enough to force the conscious brain to stop thinking. So it's like when you sprint. If you want to stop thinking about something that's bothering you, sprint. You won't be able to <laughs> think, I promise. So what you want to do is have an effort level that is... Under your absolute limit, which is what's going to... You're going to start to not be able to control your physical body, but above the threshold where you can still consciously have thought. And I think for most people, that's 97 to 99% of their effort. And I just think the less you think, you know, and the more you act athletically in anything, you do better. And, like, this is kind of... I don't want to say it's not a tangent, but, like, it's related. But if you look at animals who don't have much of a... they, They don't have much of a conscious the difference between humans and animals is like humans have a conscious brain that's always working animals have less of conscious, consciousness of their existence so when they do physical acts of like catching something or appealing something or obtaining food or hunting if you actually pay attention to the precision at which the animals strike at prey or are able to jump to shelter or something it's unbelievable and it's because they're not engaging their conscious brain they're engaging their subconscious because their body just firing and they know what to do it's amazing how many times human beings, myself included, make a complete mess of something that they're physically doing because of their subconscious
2: sense of self. It's, um, it's, it's amazing. That's like, a really good point. Yeah. I mean, when, when do m- most people hit the ball well in the range? When they're in a groove and they're yeah. going after it. The, and their time is up and they get out there, they try to guide it. It's like your timing is completely thrown off. Like yeah. you said, myself included. Even, even in long drives, sometimes I'll get in this mindset of, oh, hey, it's around a 64, just need to hit, quote, unquote, good balls yep. in play. And then I'm, and then everything's out of whack. And then be, and because of that, now, now I'm hitting less balls in play. So, yeah, I mean, find where you're at your best and then continue. to do that. Don't just be like, oh, well, now I'm not on the range anymore, so now it's time for me to take it easy. It's like you literally – that's the worst thing you can do.
0: Yeah. So. I mean, and that, all that to say, I've always found 97 to 99% of your max effort if you're trying to hit a golf ball – straight is probably the where you're gonna find the straightest. You just gotta do everything you can to disengage your brain. Like that's that's what I found every one of these guys in the PGA tour. Like two of my roommates when I played college golf in North Texas, they two of the guys that came into my class are both successful pros. And like, you know, they they just they have a different way of operating, you know, it's and, very unique.
2: And for anyone listening, thinking, well, he's a long driver, what credibility does Kyle have about hitting a golf ball straight? Let me tell you he might miss more fairways than a PGA Tour player only because of the percentage difference over the distance. right? So for example, if you were to continue to spread the fairway out over the course of a certain distance, a lot of PGA Tour players may be in the left side of the fairway at 290, 300. And he may be in the house's left 100 yards further. So if you come out here and watch, he hits it straight. (laughs) right? Just because he's missing a 60-yard grid, I can promise you, you could watch a ball flight and you wouldn't say, oh, that's that's not a good ball flight. Tiny little movement left to right over the course of 400 yards. You, it becomes pretty small target pretty quickly. So I promise you, yeah. he has credibility when it comes to hitting the ball straight. Again, hitting it into a 40-yard fairway, it's tough from 400 yards. I'm not saying he's hitting every fairway, but he is hitting the ball with relatively straight ball flight. And for all you that are hitting at 230 off the tee, if you had his ball flight, you would hit probably 95% of the fairways, so
0: literally. And yeah. I'll put it this way, like. People hear 60-yard wide grids, which is it, it's a good thing. It's becoming a standard. I I remember 2019, 2018, we had a tournament at Atlantic City. The grid was 37 yards wide. and We actually had a situation on TV. Thank God it was tape delayed. We're 63 balls in a row went out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> By wow. the way, if you ever want to see a 50-year-old swing 150 miles an hour, look up Eddie Fernandez as a left cabin. Pretty incredible. But it's- um, but like I guess how all I had to say was 60 yards sounds wide. But what I would say is. Take something at 400 yards out and actually look at how close they become. Like, if you look at the, I know it's a podcast, those, yeah. but we're staring around down the grid right now. And- Those
1: first flags look really wide. Exactly. And those flags all the way down the grid look very, very narrow. I mean, what
0: I can tell you looking at it, those first flags are about 280 and they look about as wide as the mountain behind it. And then the last flags at 440, I could, they look about just about as wide as my pinky. So
1: yep.
0: my point is though, like the further something goes, hard it is to keep it within a boundary that's rectangular shaped so like theoretically let's say you hit a thousand yard drive at a thousand yards the grid at 60 yards wide you might might literally have both flags look like they're touching each other at a thousand <laughs> yards because of the distance parallax and so people don't realize how tight that grid really is at um, 60 yards right. in my opinion I actually don't you like
2: how I'm giving you credit on how straight I appreciate you it, it. Yeah. yes because can yeah, go down a rabbit hole because you know someone's gonna be like what is this guy talking about trying to tell us how to hit the ball straight? It's like no. <laughs> Come on. it well, it goes straight. It might move a little bit. It's just in the air for twelve seconds. What seven. I would
0: say to people is every single long driver who's making it through rounds has a at least a decent golf swing. You cannot make it yeah. through rounds in this tournament in this sport if you don't have a golf swing. Even if you swing 150 miles an hour, you have no chance. Like I would I would amend that maybe to say you might get to like a top thirty two, but if you're not hitting the ball right with a fundamentally sound swing, you have absolutely zero chance of cashing a check. I don't care if you swing 170 miles an hour; you have no chance. So, I mean, that's why a lot of the guys in this sport are actually really good golfers, and at the very least, are really good ball strikers.
1: The best athletes on the planet, all of them have short-term memory loss. Forget it. Tomorrow's another day. Tomorrow's another, you know, another set, another golf ball. And, and uh, yeah, you know.
0: but we're gonna wrap this up because we do have a long day ahead of us. Me and me and Bobby are, we're still in the tournament and you know, we want to do well and we got to get some sleep and get rested and he's got a long day of announcing. <laughs> so we're going to wrap it up here, but um, we hope you guys enjoyed this first podcast. As I said, we don't know what we're going to call it yet, but if you guys want to take some stabs out in the comments, it's going to be a golf podcast, focusing on golf events with a long drive slant. So whatever that sounds like to you, that's catchy, throw it down in the comments and we'll, we might pick it. Who knows, maybe we'll do like a contest if you pick the right, if you pick the name we take, We might give you some merch or something, I don't know, we'll figure it out, but um, yeah, I really hope you guys enjoy listening to this, hopefully it becomes a really successful podcast, um, probably have guests on in the future, but the first one, just wanted to have the two Bobbies and myself on it, and uh, we'll have other main characters on it eventually, um, Carol Priscilla is part of our group, so I don't want to, she'll probably be in a lot of these as well, she's got a lot to add to this, so she's just coming in tomorrow, so we couldn't do it, we had to do it today, but I um, hope you guys enjoyed listening, and there'll be many more like this, if you have any questions, Questions, comments, or things we could talk about in the future you'd like to hear us cover, let us know.